Hello and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I will be talking about Blackmail and Babinka by Mia P. Manasala, the third book in the Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mystery series. This is, yeah, this is the third book. I had a lot of fun. The second book, Homicide and Hala Hala, was on my best books of 2022 list. However, there is no episode for it because I read it during my hiatus last year. And the first book, Arsenic and Adobo, does have an episode, and you can go and listen to that if you want more details about what happened in that first book. I will provide a little bit of a background into the first and second books um, while I'm doing the plot summary for this third book, but if you want more information, go search it out in my past content. So this is a cozy mystery set in a small town in Illinois, not necessarily Chicago suburb, but like outside of Chicago. And in this book, the main character, Leela's troublemaking cousin Ronnie comes back after being gone for like 15 years and him and his partners buy a winery, his work partners, not romantic partners. That's that's plot point. And then one of their investors dies and they all become murder suspects. So that's what this book is about. And I am excited to talk to you all about it today. I was, let me tell you about my journey to get a copy of this book. So this book came out in October. It is set in December kind of around the uh, Christmas holidays, except the majority, the, I said this in the last episode, the majority, the majority of the plot happens before Christmas with the epilogue sort of happening on Christmas Eve. But uh, so there's kind of like some winter holiday vibes. So it came out in October and I was really surprised. I didn't expect it to be out that soon. So then throughout all of November and December, I tried to find a copy of this book. I went to the Barnes & Noble probably at least three, if not four times, went into a few other bookstores. I couldn't find this book anywhere. So, and I wanted to read it so badly before Christmas because I thought, this is a seasonal read. I want to read it. It might be a little Christmassy. Now, it was definitely less Christmassy than I thought it was going to be. Very wintry, though, like, you know, generic winter holiday vibes. Like, And also, we got to see, like, Filipino Christmas dishes, so that was kind of fun as well. Um, and, like hear what they are and get some recipes in the back of the book but anyways so I um I tried so hard to get this so finally it's the beginning of January I'm back in DC from the holidays and I've gone to the Barnes and Noble in person multiple times and I've never seen it well I got a Barnes and Noble gift card for Christmas so I thought all right I will order a copy of this book and I'll just pick it up so I don't have to pay for delivery so I order a copy of the book and they email me not even two hours later that it's ready. I show up to get it the next day. And I also got a copy of Talia Hibbert's new YA novel. Um, I don't remember what it's called. I haven't read it yet, but I'll be reading it soon. So you guys can all look forward to that in a little bit. And I, So I was looking for that book, but I like looked around the store. And they had like eight copies of this book on the shelf. So of course they finally had a copy for me. I was so annoyed. I was like... Now you're going to stock it after I've tried to buy this book like eight times from your store and you've never had the third one in stock. Now you finally have it in stock months after it came out. I was so annoyed, but you know what? It's fine. It worked out. I got the book. I read it. I had a great time and I'm here to talk to you about that book today. This is probably going to be a shorter episode because this book was very short. It was just over 250 pages. It wasn't even close to 300 and yeah, so I guess let's get into it. 
Before we get started, I must issue a spoiler warning. If you do not want Blackmail and Babinka to be spoiled, stop here. Go read the book. I would recommend it if you have read the other books in the series. I think this was fun, a great addition, and I had a good time with it. And I also, if you like cozy mysteries or you want to try it out, this is a great series for you to try it out with. And, um, yeah, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening and come back after you've read the book. Otherwise, get ready to be spoiled in 3, 2, 1 as I start telling you about the plot of this novel. Okay, so like I told you this time, so in the previous books, we know that Lila, Lila, her name, Lila, whatever, Lila, she, um, lives with her aunt, Tita Rosie, and her grandma, Lola Flor, and they have the, her aunt and grandma have a Filipino restaurant and her and her best friend Adina and Adina's girlfriend Elena have a cafe where Lila is the baker, Adina is the barista, and Elena has plants and like, um, like spa items, you know, that she makes with her plants. And they opened their store at the, during the second book. And now they've been open six months and they are very successful. So that's super not believable that they're this successful. Like everything they do is like sold out and everybody loves it. But like I didn't really question it because a book like this, you're here for a good time, not a um, scrutinizing the plot time, if that makes sense. So they're, you know, it's it's about to be Christmas time. They're getting ready for the winter bash. And a few weeks ago, Leela's cousin Ronnie, Tito Rosie's son, comes back. Ronnie took off after high school when he was like 17 or 18 and literally has never been back and it's been like 15 years. So Ronnie's like 33 or something like that and has never ever ever come back and when he was a child or like in high school he got in some trouble with the law. He definitely stole something and another time he was blamed for drugs like all this different stuff and never and while he was gone he also like just disappeared off the face of the earth. He never called his mom never sent a letter, literally nothing. And all of a sudden he comes back and he has bought this winery with his two partners, um, Izzy and Pete, I believe. And Izzy and Pete are engaged and they've been engaged for literal years. And Izzy's like, Pete doesn't want to be married until we like can be making a lot of money and the winery's up on its feet, whatever. But I'm like, girl, why are you been engaged to this man for literal like five years or three years? You're just not, if you're engaged that long, you're just never getting married. That's my own opinion on that. Uh, unless I guess there was some COVID stuff going on, but that was not the case in this book because in this book, COVID doesn't exist. Anyways, so they bought this winery and Leela and Tita Rosie go over one night to like bring them food and to scope it out because Tita Rosie has gotten an email saying, I know what your son did in Florida. If you don't pay me $50,000, I'm going to reveal it to the world. They didn't even know Ronnie was living in Florida. They have no idea what this is about, but they're like, let's go there and we can kind of scope out what's going on. So they show up, they meet these partners, and then they also meet the investors, a couple, Xander and Denise. Is it Denise? Yeah, yeah. Okay, her name is Denise. I just spent like two minutes looking for it. Xander and Denise are engaged and they have these two assistants named Quentin and Olivia who are twins and who do not like especially Quentin like really dislikes Xander is very like rude to him and you're like why would you keep an assistant on that's rude to you so they're there and then um one thing that the winery's making is this Filipino coconut wine which I don't remember what it was called 
And so they pour um, Denise like a glass of it and she drinks it and then immediately like dies. So they bring, well, not immediately, they bring her to the hospital and she ends up dying and it is from methanol poisoning. So coconut wine can, if you make it wrong, can actually give you methanol poisoning. So they're like testing the wine and they realize like it's not the wine that was wrong, but somebody injected extra methanol into it. So that all happened. And so then once they realized that she was murdered, Xander, Izzy, and Pete become suspects. And in my mind, Ronnie, Izzy, and Pete become suspects because they own it. But then in my mind, the, the twins are also suspects. And we find out that the twins are actually Denise's stepchildren. She Before she got engaged to Xander, she was married to this much older man who was a friend of her father's. And he ended up dying and she inherited everything. And Olivia and Quentin were his children who inherited literally nothing. And the only way they get their allowance is if they work, which is why they're employed by Xander and Denise. So and then I also see Xander as a suspect because maybe he was going to inherit all of her money if she died. And we find out that Xander has a gambling problem. We also find out that the two of them both like, Xander definitely cheated on her at one point, and while they, when she found out and they took a break, Denise had a, like, a short, like, affair with his cousin, and, like, lots of messy stuff going on. So, Leela, while she, like, is very mad at her cousin Ronnie, because he's literally so mean to his mom, like, all the time, and so we know pre from the other books that Detective Park, Jonathan Park, um, he, you know, has a crush on Tita Rosie and Ronnie comes back and is like, who is this younger man who's crushing on my mom? You know, she's still married as if her husband didn't run off and leave her 20 years ago and never have the decency to at least divorce her. And so Ronnie's like kind of an asshole. And so all of that's going on. But Leela's like, you know what? He's still family. So I will try and investigate because I don't want him to go to jail if this isn't his fault. Meanwhile, the blackmailing continues it even escalates to Tita Rosie getting a letter from um, Postmark from Wisconsin and the amount of money has been upped. And so this person knows where she lives. They know her email address and they find out Leela has her friend Terrence from the first book do some like computer sleuthing and they find out it was sent from the library, the email. So somebody around here is playing with them and we're like trying to figure out what's going on. You find out that Ronnie's definitely in love with Izzy, but Izzy's taken by Pete. And But Izzy and Pete are also having, like, problems. And you find out that Pete stopped putting money in their joint wedding account. So Izzy's now, like, working part-time on the weekends bartending to, like, get money to put in it. Leela ends up, like, hacking into her cousin's, like, computer or phone and seeing that he is sending a bunch of money to somebody named Penny. And so that's suspicious. So, like, is Ronnie actually just blackmailing his mom to get this money to, like, send to Penny, who might be blackmailing her? We're also trying to find out, like, what was the mysterious thing that happened in Florida? You find out it was, like, the person they were working for, like, he had a bad batch of, like, the coconut wine. And so, like, then they couldn't, like, they wanted to buy his business, but then they couldn't because of that, which is why they moved back to Shady Palms. And all this stuff is going on. And uh, then I guess I'm just going to skip to the end because I like can't remember if there's more of the middle plot. So then at the end, Leela... Okay, so Leela ends up confronting Ronnie about like 
Penny and all this different stuff at the Winter Bash, which is like what everything was building up to. And we find out that Penny is his baby mama. He has a child and that money was child support. And you find out that he had been like taking money from the winery in order to pay it because they're like not making money or whatever. So then him and Pete end up like going outside for some reason. I don't really know why. I can't remember. And then they're like calling Ronnie, like, come back here and apologize to your mom, like, whatever the heck. But he's not picking up. And then Leela, like, puts together that Pete is suspicious, I think. I don't really remember. And then also at this time, you have, uh, oh, I forgot the other thing that happened before this is that Quentin ends up, like, he ends up, like, committing suicide in quotation marks but he doesn't die he's like in a coma at the hospital and so like olivia is now living with all of them or whatever and then she at one point like comes into the store and her purse gets knocked over and like this vial of b12 gets kicked out which let me look that up really quick okay anyways so, so olivia was like a little suspicious earlier so anyways izzy and leela like drive to the winery because they were like sus about Pete and why is Ronnie not picking up his phone and something else happened that was like leading them there. So they show up and Leela's like, um, uh, they see that Ronnie's like knocked out on the desk and Pete and Olivia are in there and Leela's like, we should call the police. And Izzy's like, no, and like runs in there like an idiot. And then basically Olivia and Pete do their evil person monologue, excuse me, where they like so it turns out that Pete's family cut him off because he said he was going to marry Izzy instead of like some rich person and so he was also stealing money from the winery but then he was like okay well we could blackmail Ronnie's family because Ronnie was a liar who was like my family's so prosperous and like doing well financially and all this stuff when they're literally like definitely just like middle class getting by like whatever and so he's like thinks like and then they were like Basically, Olivia and Quentin, if they kill, if Denise died before she got married to Xander, there was, like, some sort of complicated, like, legal thing, but eventually, like, they would have gotten the money from her will because she hadn't died yet uh, because of, like, some stipulation in their father's will because Denise, in Denise's will, half the money went, like, to charity and the other half went to Xander or something like that. Anyway, so they were, like, basically, Olivia and Pete like said let's kill Denise and we'll get the, give you some of the money and Quentin just thought they were only blackmailing didn't realize they were killing Denise which is why then Olivia tried to kill her brother when he figured it out and then um so they're gonna kill Izzy but then Leela like throws something at them and then the police show up and everything ends up working out and uh, Pete and Olivia and Quentin are all arrested and go to jail the end Oh, and De Detective Park quits being a detective because the detective agency sucks there. The sheriff sucks. And Jay, you know, Dentist Jay is Leela's love interest, but he was literally, like, not in this book, which I will talk about now in the discussion section. So, yeah, was that the most coherent plot summary? No. Did I pause it multiple times as I was recording? Yes. Why did I pause it one time? Because... I was looking up if B12 could give you methanol poisoning. No, it cannot. It's actually something you take to counteract methanol poisoning, which is good because I have to take vitamin B12 because I am deficient in it. And I was like, well, I hope I'm not giving myself methanol poisoning by taking all these vitamins. 
But no, I'm not doing that. In fact, I'm counteracting. If somebody tried to poison me with methanol, I've already got some of the antidote inside my body. So take that, poisoners. But anyways, I was looking that up because I was actually curious about that the whole time because they never really explained the B12 thing in the like the end when they're like, you know, how there's like a chapter like a few weeks later, like wrapping everything up, like whatever. That part was never really explained. So I had to look that up really quick so I could let you all know. But no, B12 cannot poison you with methanol poisoning. You cannot get methanol poisoning from B12, whatever. So yeah, that was Blackmail and Babinka. It was very good. It was very short. Like I said, the first book was probably like three, somewhere between 300, 350 pages. The second book was probably around 300 and this one's only 250. So these books are getting shorter, but it's funny because they don't print them as mass market paperbacks, but it's so short that it's like, I'm sure it has to be cheaper for them to do it that way, but it's also published by Berkeley and I don't know if Berkeley public like prints mass market paperbacks. I don't really know. But exciting news is that the series was renewed for three more books. The next one is called Murder and Mamone, which I don't know what that is, but one of the best parts of this book series is definitely the food and how in the back there's recipes for some of the stuff they talk about a lot. So in this book, We've got a recipe for coquito, salabat snickerdoodle squares, babinka, and champorado. So all of these things sound so delicious to me. I've got the recipes so I can make them. And I also was talking to my aunt about this book because she was the one that gave me the gift card. So I was like, oh, I bought this book with the gift card. It's really good. Anyways, I was thinking about it. I've never had Filipino food before. And I've also just realized I never told you what happened in the first two books. Okay, book one, Leela's ex-boyfriend is murdered inside her family's restaurant and she's the main murder suspect. Book two, Leela is judging a beauty pageant and one of the other judges dies and her cousin, but not her real cousin, but like somebody who she calls her cousin but is not related to her and actually dated her actual cousin Ronnie back in the day. She's the main suspect, so she's got to solve it. And then uh, this book... I already told you the plot of it. But anyways, basically, I realize I've never had Filipino food before, except for maybe once at my friend's grad party back in high school. Well, I guess I was in college at the time, but it was his grad high school grad party. And that feels like a shame to me because all the food sounds so delicious. One thing that's so great about these books is that they're so dietary restriction accommodating because they talk so... Adina's, Adina is Leela's best friend and she's Muslim and so she like is kosher. She's definitely like she can only eat certain meats and things like that. And so they always have like I said kosher, but that's not correct. Kosher is for Jewish people. I'm not gonna lie. I had to look it up. It's halal. And so they've got they always and Elena is like vegetarian or something like that or maybe vegan. So they always have vegetarian options and then they always talk about having gluten-free options. And as a gluten-free girly myself, I much appreciate that. So anyways, I was then talking with my aunt and she was telling me about having the lumpia, which is they talk about having them all the time in these books. They're basically Filipino like spring rolls or like egg rolls basically. And they sound so delicious, which I can't eat them sadly, but if I could, I would. Anyway, so then I Googled a Filip- like Filipino restaurants near me and I found one that looks really good and like clearly has gluten-free options marked. So I might go there sometime soon and try some Filipino food. But anyways, I do love that aspect about these books. 
all of the food and the drinks sound so good and i've like talked about this in previous like episodes that sometimes books centering around food like don't work for me but these definitely do so let's see what so i guess like also talking about the second like the book recaps i like am very i read the first book twice i read it before i read the second one and then for this one i didn't reread the books because i had just read them in the spring so i had read them maybe like six um, it was probably eight months prior so it hadn't been long enough for me to like really want to reread them right it hadn't even been a year so I didn't. I just like went in and read this. But I was very familiar with the plot of the first one because I had read it multiple times. The plot of the second one I generally knew, but I forgot some of the names. But like in the second book, there's this one character who like I th- I think is also one of the judges and she's like this business owner and like all this different stuff. And I just like forgot what her name was and what the name of like the wife of the person who died in the first book was. So then I got confused. And, like, there's multiple times where Leela's like, well, we're not going to get into that. And I was like, I would love for you to get into it just, like, a little bit. Like, I know that somebody's probably not picking up the third book in this series and then just, like, that being their first one. But for those of us who are not rereading all the books, can I just get, like, a one-sentence, like, summary reminder of who this person is? Like, what is it that they own? Like, what restaurant do they work at or what business do they own because like everybody in here is like an entrepreneur i swear to god so i would have liked a little bit more wrap up background information just because i forgot a lot of stuff but it didn't really like make my enjoyment or my understanding suffer that much so it was fine but i but i still you know i would have appreciated it also what i would have appreciated more dr j more j so basically what was really interesting so in the first book there's a love triangle going on between we got leela and then you've got jay on one side and then adina's brother amir on the other side amir being leela's childhood crush the one who got away they never dated because of her relationship with adina and then jay being this dentist she meets who's like also really hot and interested in her and then in the second book you Still, the love triangle is featured pretty heavily, but Leela's in a very bad place because, you know, she was almost murdered at the end of the first book. And so, you know, she's dealing with all that trauma. And so she's, like, not really made a choice. And then Amir ends up starting to sort of date one of the other people, which, again, like, I forgot about until it was, like, randomly a throwaway line in this book. And Leela starts gravitating more towards Jay. And by the end of the second book, she's kind of, like, picked Jay as the one she's going to date. But she's, like... I need you to give me some time to, like, work on myself so I can, like, be ready to date, basically. And he's like, yes, absolutely. And then in this book, it's basically, like, they're dating, but they're not official. So, like, this is definitely very clean. Like, they maybe kiss. They've maybe been kissing, but there's no way they've done anything else more sexual at all. No way. They've maybe kissed, but they're not official boyfriend-girlfriend yet. Um... And Jay is low-key, like, nowhere to be found in this book. He, like, randomly shows up. There's even at one point, Leela's even, like, like, he, she goes over to her aunt's restaurant to, like, get some food or to, like, bring someone over there, like, talk to her aunt about something. And Jay ends up being there. And she's like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I was getting you food. I feel like we haven't seen each other in forever. She's like, yeah, we haven't. I've been so occupied with this murder and investigating it. And I'm like, yeah, girl, you have. And, like, I'm all here for this. But also, you forgot about your man. Like, what? So, Jay really only shows up at the times where it's, like, all of them together are, like, 
every all the characters are together eating for whatever reason. And so I kind of miss Jay, especially if you're going to make me sit through this love triangle nonsense in the first book and a half, just for her to finally pick someone, but then, like, we don't ever see him. And he's, like, a pretty good character. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Also, I want to talk about Ronnie and his future place in the books. He's definitely not leaving. Ronnie must obviously start dating Izzy at some point, although I believe it's probably not going to be until book five or six because she's going to be devastated that her boyfriend or her fiance uh, is a murderer and at the end of this book, like, was going to kill her because she learned what they had done. I don't know how they thought they were going to get away with killing, like, three people all in the same way, not on the same day. I don't really know. That's, like, a lot for me to believe. But anyways, I think it'll be interesting because I think Ronnie's still going to be a bit of an asshole, but hopefully... He will get better as these books progress and stop being so mean to his mom and who just wants to love him. And he's like, you're a horrible parent. I'm like, you're a horrible child. Anyways, so I'm interested to see how Ronnie grows in these upcoming books that I will definitely be reading. Finally, I want to talk about the guessability. So two things. First of all, when this penny person first showed up that and we knew Ronnie was paying her mo- like the same amount of money every single month, I clocked immediately that Penny was his baby mama and he was paying child support. That was like on site. I like knew exactly what that was. And Leela was like, this could be the blackmailer. This could be like this or that. I was like, no, girl, your cousin was irresponsible and got someone pregnant and has a child out there in the world. And I was correct. So yay me. Now, the who did it guessability aspect. I didn't necessarily, so like, I really went through phases. I really thought at one point it was Izzy because she was extremely suspicious. She was like, I'll look and see who sent these blackmail emails and then never got back to them. So like she should have, she could have done it. Um, She also was like mysteriously running away. But then we find out it was because she had like this other job. Like she was really suspicious. But at the same time, it was like she had so much page time of like, She's clearly going to become one of these, like, friends in Leela's girl squad that I was like, well, it can't be her. And then what I would say was really smart is I got thrown off on the twins because I was like, well, why would they kill her if they, because they say we're not going to inherit anything about halfway through the book. They meet with the lawyer and find that out. So I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I was suspicious of Xander because he was cheating on her. So, like, he couldn't love her that much and he had gambling debt, like all this different stuff. So he was very suspicious as well. And then Pete was very forgettable. So I forgot about him. And I didn't really think it was Ronnie because that was his cousin, her cousin. But anyways, I think it came together really well. I was satisfied with it. And I will say sometimes with mysteries, I get frustrated when it's like the least obvious person did it. And in a way we have that with Pete. But it's the twist because he's working with Olivia, which you wouldn't really expect. And I was suspicious of Olivia when the B12 vial, like, spilled out of her purse. That also was suspicious to me that it was in a vial because when I take B12, it's, like, in pill form. So, like, I don't really know if you can, like, just shoot yourself straight B12 into your veins. Like, I don't really know. And she was like, don't touch that. So that was suspicious to me. I do think it's weird of her to carry around her murder weapon at all times but i guess if the police search your hotel room they're not going to find it there so that might have been what was going on but i don't really know so was it super guessable not exactly i think if you read a lot of stuff you would have figured it out 
but I didn't mind. I wasn't frustrated. It wasn't like out of left field. And I was very satisfied with this book. Was it the best book I've ever read? No. Did I like it as much as the second one? No. Did I like it a lot? Yes. And will I continue with this series? Yes. And so with that, we're going to end it here a bit shorter than usual, but this book was much shorter than the usual one that I read. So if you want to talk to me about this book episode podcast, feel free to. We can chat on Instagram. You can DM my Instagram account, I read a book once blog, or you can email me at gmail at gmail.com. No, you can email me at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. I'm happy to talk about your thoughts, feelings, opinions, questions, concerns, what have you about this book, this episode, or this podcast. Also, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find it, and I would really appreciate it. Next week, you will be hearing about Children of Ragnarok by Cinda Williams Chima. Cinda Williams Chima is the author of my all-time favorite series in the world, the Seven Realms series. I love it so much. There are no episodes on it because I've actually not read that series since starting my podcast. I really want to reread it, but... It has not been in the cards. Who knows? Maybe I'll reread it in 2023. Maybe I won't. I have no idea what the future holds for me, but I'm really excited to read her newest book. It is a fantasy set in a Norse mythology background. So I'm excited. I'm about 70 pages in, so not sure. We'll see what happens. Not too far into it, but I'm excited for it. And with that, my name is Emma. This was I read a book once. And I'll catch you guys next time.